0: Reality was the cause of of all of these negative thinking, and of course, it took me a while to realize that we create reality with our thoughts. So I had to first work on myself on the inside, and I took that time, which was three year period, where I'm now stuck in my head, still depressed, but I can't think. So what am I gonna choose to think? What am I gonna choose to teach myself? I learned everything about reprogramming my subconscious. I said that if I can't do this consciously and I have no willpower, I do know that our subconscious is 95% responsible of all of our actions, behaviors, and reality. If I can find a way to hack my subconscious brain, bypass my conscious mind, and just go straight to the source and delete, 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 and recode, then I will do that. And so I did repeatedly for day in day out for three years I would tell myself I love myself I would analyze my thoughts I would go back to my past and heal my memories and heal that pain I would let it out
1: welcome to the Heal rise shine podcast a show about womanhood, empowering women, and celebrating each other. Each show, I will bring you a daily live warrior woman who stepped into her passion and light. Women like you and me, because we all have an amazing story to tell. Let's heal, rise, and shine together. Hello, 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 lovely humans. Welcome back. Oh my God, it's a new season and I'm so excited. I have a lot of amazing guests coming on as I have recorded the first episodes already and I'm super excited to dive into a new season. This season, I hope to focus more on body image and self-love and the discovery and so we're starting off with a bang it's a bit of a longer episode but it's a very deep episode and it's a lesson in self-love my guest is Zaf and he is a trans male still living in a female body and he is taking us on the journey with him on how he discovered himself and I met him a couple of months ago in South Africa I am good friends with his flatmate. That's how I met him. And since I met him, I was like, I need you to come on the podcast because female empowerment is not all about, oh yeah, women, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also what actually happens when you do not feel like a woman what to do now and i think that is a very important aspect of female empowerment of feminism and that's why it's so important to me to have his voice heard and this is also his public coming out so that is a huge honor for me he obviously told his family and very close friends but extended family and extended friendship circle does not know about this so this is a huge deal and I'm so honored that I had to have this conversation with him and that he is telling us his story and at the end of this podcast I was like oh my god I love myself so much (laughs) I have like no reason not to and if he can love himself just the way he are I the fucking hell can do that too so buckle up and listen closely and take notes (laughs)
2: Hello, Zav. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm really excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity. Yes, of course. And before we talk about all of the things, I always like to ask my guests two questions. (laughs) Are you ready? Go for it. I'm ready. And this time, this answer is going to be very surprising to most of (laughs) my listeners. Steph, what does it mean to you to be a woman?
0: That's a very good question. Well, firstly, I don't identify as a woman. I am a trans male, but I am still in a female body. So it's different. Being a woman to me has taught me a lot about what women go through. In the 28 years of my life, I believed and identified as a female. It wasn't until a few years ago that I came to realize the the true nature of who I am. Me being authentic and true to myself and really discovering and answering that question of who I am. It means a gift. I think that I was blessed to be able to see into the other side and the workings of a woman what women go through. And know what it's like to be a woman as a guy. Gives
2: you unique perspective. And that's what we're also going to talk about in just a bit. But before that, the other question is, are you a feminist and why or why not?
0: Well, yes, 100% actually, I am a feminist. I'm all about strong, empowered women and having their voices heard. In actual fact, being and growing up as a woman has taught me what it's like that what women go through the struggles i come from a very orthodox conservative muslim family and women are generally oppressed in islam and in the communities the small knit communities so their voice is put down they're not allowed to go out and be doing amazing things and you know very restricted and growing up i went through these restrictions thinking to myself why is it that women can't do it but men can why do they have a better life with more opportunities and they're heard and women are not and they're silenced and that motivated me because I believed as a female back then I deserve to be heard this is just not okay you know we're both the same we're just as capable And being a guy the whole time, of course, just not realizing it, I always compared myself to men. So it was even more so that I felt like a guy. I sort of knew and identified as a guy that that is sort of the life and what I want and what guys are going after. I want that too. But I'm not allowed that as a female. You don't have to be a guy to want the same things. You know, there's there's not something that is only available or privy to men or or women can be whatever you want to be. But I think that taught me that women deserve to be heard, deserve to be honored, um, respected, admired. Women are strong. Seeing and, and spending my entire life around women, that has opened my eyes to exactly how smart and resourceful they are, how resilient they are and uh, it's it's quite beautiful in actual fact i have a high respect and regard for women in general
2: thank you so much <laughs> and the thing is why i was asking the first question in the present and not in the past is because you're still living in a woman's body for all the listeners because they cannot see you <laughs> your transition has started like two years ago I would say, or that's what you told me. Before that, you came out as gay. And you, as you just said, you come from really traditional family, Muslim family. How was it growing up? Yeah, t- tell us about that, about all of these inner conflicts about about yourself.
0: Yes, growing up, I was the first grandchild as well the uh, role model the the idol of the family smart and my parents believed in educating me you know especially as their daughter because never to rely on a man for everything you know to be independent and have something to basically rely on yourself so I became and qualified as a chartered accountant. I went down there getting that degree, tertiary education, setting up my, my career. And I was the uh, role model of the family. you know, everyone admired me. And I I don't mean to sound conceited or anything, but I was considered a, a very beautiful woman. I still am in the female terms of, of what beauty is. It was just never easy to find that husband and marry a guy. That was my dream growing up was to find Prince Charming, have kids, and make my family proud, because that is what I grew up believing to be was my be all and end all. But I wanted something more. And I always wanted to venture out, do things that guys would do. And I was restricted constantly because why? You can't start a business because that's not what women do. You need to uh, just focus on your studies. And I constantly felt like just because of being a woman, I can't go out there and be bold and brazen and do my own thing. And this was all because of the orthodox family of, you know, being a good wife is to sit at home. You know, you should be looking for a husband right now. That's what you should be focusing on. When are you going to have kids at some point? And around the age of 20 was when things got really tough for me at that point in time. I'm an only child as well. There was a lot of pressure on me, expectations that my parents had that I desired very much to make them proud. Yet something made me feel like I wasn't good enough as I am. Uh, And I was a tomboy growing up. I love to to dress like a little boy as well and and play cricket with the guys and wrestle with the boys. But it was never condoned. It was never allowed. I was judged. And I remember my parents always asking, why can't you be more like a girl, dress more like a girl? Why? Like wh- Why don't you like makeup and doing those things? And, you know, get this guy, get that guy. I just never felt like I understood what... It was to be a woman because I felt I was doing horrible at it, comparing myself to my cousins and friends. It felt so natural. It looked so natural for them to find a guy to crush. And here I am thinking that no guy is good enough for me. I didn't understand why. It was just like, I just don't like anybody. (laughs) But maybe there's a Prince Charming for me out there somewhere one day until I met my best friend at the age of 20. She and I hit it off like a house on fire. I was telling myself the whole time that this is just, you know, finding a best friend. This is what friends do. We just bond and like each other and spend time with each other. And very soon it became very important to me, the friendship. I began developing feelings for my best friend and her me. Now, she's also from the same background at that time, Muslim, Indian. She was also supposed to find a guy. and. We both believed at the time that we were straight, but we were curious about each other. Next thing, we're in love. We keep telling ourselves that it's only each other. Our family breaks us apart because it's a sin to be gay. It's a sin to think about women and be with a woman. And it's abnormal, my mom would say is, you know, are you saying that you're not normal? There was a lot of shame that was going through my mind at that time because I found love that I hadn't felt before ever. And she was my soulmate to me at that time. Everything I've ever wanted, but I couldn't have it because I felt for the wrong gender and I'm doing the wrong things. So constantly while feeling a beautiful love and having a beautiful relationship, it was all secret. It was all taboo. And at the back of my mind, I was pretending still to be straight and to be interested in guys. And I would have this conflict and comparison of this is not really what I want. What am I going to do? I really love her. It was agonizing. And I really made myself feel unworthy as a woman. So much so that with enough years of guilt and shame, I made myself sick with endometriosis. Which was interesting because, of course, endometriosis is an illness and disease targeting your ovaries. And it's very feminine as well. It was not just any type of illness. It was to do with me being a woman, being able to reproduce. And that's what made me realize at some point that I'm, I'm punishing myself for who I am. And it's not in my control. And it was very, very difficult because at some point I was very close to marrying a guy because I thought it was right. Thankfully, that did not happen. And a few years later, seven years into the relationship was when I started to accept the fact I am into women and women only, that this is who I am. I just felt very abandoned and unloved by my creator. So there was that discord. I felt very alone. And my parents were very disappointed in me. They had broken us up. They had shamed me. They had tried to keep me locked up at home. They would guilt trip me and send me to Muslim leaders, you know, like priests, similar version, so that I could get fixed and changed because something must be wrong with me for me to be attracted to women. So that was a seven-year journey of accepting and, and coming to terms with being gay, at which point life was getting better, finally, slowly.
2: I have a question between your meetings with the religious leaders. What did they say? What was discussed there?
0: The standard view in Islam and according to the Quran is that being gay is not your fault and having these thoughts is not your fault. but your choices are yours and you should take responsibility for what you choose and how you choose to act. And that is on you. And that is not allowed. To act on those desires is wrong. It was expected that with time and with marriage, that it would sort of be released, changed, that it would go away and that I would be very happily married to a man and never look back. But I just... With trying with so many guys to make it happen, to feel something, you reach a point of acceptance where you just know there's not going to be any guy that could possibly make you happy. And is it fair to that man? Absolutely not. So I couldn't. I couldn't do what they wanted. And I had contemplated just being single for the rest of my life. My parents even told me, if I want to have a girlfriend, I need to leave the country. And they're never going to see me
2: again. They would disown me. The country, not just the house. Like the country.
0: Yes, the country. Leave the country. South Africa is huge. (laughs) Yes, but it's not enough. I just need to completely be banished from the
2: family, from
0: everyone. Because it's so unacceptable.
2: Yeah, and I, I can only imagine how much harder that makes things. Like you said, you you felt pressure to even try having relationships with men. You were almost married to someone, even though I cannot, I, I cannot even begin to imagine the conflict you have there because for me, I'm bisexual. So I really don't mind being with either gender. So I cannot imagine how it is to be pushed somewhere. You, But what you really dislike, it's, it's, Yeah, it sounds horrifying.
0: It's a slow death. Yeah. Basically, your soul is losing its light because you're forcing yourself to do things according to societal expectations, according to your family, to make them happy. And you're faced with feeling selfish for wanting to be happy. Because if you choose your happiness, then that means your family. And everyone else is going to be unhappy. And it shouldn't be a choice of your happiness versus your families. They should be happy for you. But it felt like, and I was accused of being selfish, not caring about my parents, not loving my parents enough to do the right thing. And constantly I was reminded and accused of what's wrong with you. You know, you're doing the wrong thing. Everything about me suddenly became wrong and not enough. And I'm only trying my best to have feelings for the right gender at that time, but not succeeding, thinking that it must be me, that I'm defected in some way, that maybe it's a test or and I'm just failing. So there was a lot of self-loathing and self-hate sadness. I, would, I, I I got really, really sad because I didn't see a way out. My life was either I'm with the woman that I want to be with, but I have no family and neither does she. And I don't have any religion because according to my creator, I'm, a, I'm sinning and I'm wrong and I'm bad. So I'm alone and it doesn't make any sense. And if I choose my parents, which of course I'd love to make them happy, I have them. But I'm lying about who I really am. And I'm pretending to be someone that I'm not. And it eats at you slowly. Because you just think that life is pointless at this point. That there's no winning. And it doesn't make sense. Why were you born to lose from the get-go? There was no chance of you winning. That seems so unfair and so unloving of a creator that should be loving. and. That is when things began to go downhill for me. I, at that time, my relationship with uh, my best friend had deteriorated because of the family pressures, because of the difficulty with religion. I decided and made a bold step to fuck everyone, choose my happiness because I only have one life and move out with her. But she wasn't ready. Uh, She still had to... uh, worry about her parents she worried about killing her parents you know and it's a fair responsibility but it's unfair burden at the same time i respected her choices i understood because it is extremely difficult to own who you are no matter the consequences and i made that bold decision that even if i'm alone or never again with a woman i'm going to be true to who i am and it's going to work out and i began my Auditing career. Just before I began my auditing career, I went overseas and I got very sick. I think it was being away from family and the reality of everything setting in. Finally, having some space to breathe, everything just came crashing down. Uh, I was bedridden and I was in hospital for a few weeks, not able to pick myself up, get out of the bed. I had no will to live. And I had contemplated suicide, but it wasn't worth it for me because I just thought I'm causing even more pain to the people that love me. So I have nothing to live for. I was single and struggling with life. I gave up on myself. I gave up on life. And for one and a half years, I just let myself go, which meant being bedridden, not being able to shower, not being able to fulfill my contract as a, and starting as an old manager it was one of the darkest times of my life because I was stuck in my head I couldn't get myself to do anything to work growing up it was all about results and shooting you know for the stars I was an overachiever and I worked very very hard and now I'm faced with the fact that I can't even do the most basic simplest of things where were you at that time? Were you in Belgium or were you in South Africa? It began in, in Luxembourg. Yes. And because I got so sick, I had to come back home to South Africa. And so I was at home living with my parents. And yeah, I, I I there was nothing I wanted more than just living on my own. And now my income stream or my chance of having that financial ability to move out, it was gone. So I felt punished and and stuck at home to be gay with my parents being unhappy with me, not being able to work and not having anyone to love me because I felt so unlovable as who I was. It was the rock bottom for me. And I remember at that point feeling so far away from my creator, but in that moment of devastation, asking for help, and I'd ask myself, why am I here? What what is the point of my life? Can can you help me? Do you even care about me? Like, help me understand who I am and why I'm going through this. And uh, it was at that point that something of a miracle happened. Um, my mom came to me and she's like, "You are extremely depressed. You need to go see someone. And this can't go on anymore." So I went to a doctor and I was diagnosed with clinical depression, which at that time was 18 months of of severe depression. But believe it or not, because of everything that I've been going through prior, I had been suffering with depression since the time I was 15 years old. I just didn't realize it. I only realized it when the medication kicked in and I had never felt feelings of happiness like I had since I started antidepressants. And I felt like I had a new lease on life. I felt like, okay, my creator must love me to give me the chance to feel again, to feel happiness and joy. And that begins my spiritual journey at this point, where everything around you is, is breaking apart, falling apart, your whole life is crumbling, and you have to build yourself up again. I got close to my creator from then. I did everything I could on searching spirituality and why I'm here studying Islam and, and being gay. And I fell in love again. And that was interesting. <laughs> but it was the start of releasing my toxic patterns. You know, in, in spirituality terms, we talk about karmic partners. sometimes. We have this pull to a person who might not be good for us, but we can't seem to let them go. And it causes us so much pain and heartache that we either decide to suffer the pain and do nothing or do something, face our fears, change who we are, learn the lesson and let them go. But that is also not an easy task. It's probably the harder option. But with having lost everything already, in my opinion, I had nothing more to lose and I had everything to gain. So I did it. I made a promise to myself that I would do whatever it took to change my life around since I have a a second chance. And I realized just how toxic I was as a person. Oh my goodness. I just, uh, I had so many bad habits and I went on this path of forgiveness and self love, of compassion and kindness, of realizing that actually every single human being on this planet is loved so much we can't even comprehend it. It's so much that we are blind to the fact of how much we are loved by our Creator. And we put obstacles in our path because we create the life. That we have based on the thoughts that we think and the beliefs that we hold on to. So I studied everything neuroscience, quantum physics, and spirituality, and how to change your thoughts so that I could completely re engineer my mind, reprogram it, heal my depression, and be happy and find success while well, health. Just when I thought things were getting better. That was the, uh, the next knock that life gave me. I think I had the crutches, but I wasn't quite there yet because it was at this point in time, which took seven years to come to the fact and accept that I'm gay and love myself as being gay and attracted to women, to being depressed and unemployed. And now discovering that I might not even be a woman, that everything I believed myself to be was actually not true because as I went into loving my inner child, the more I loved my inner child, the more I realized I was never being true to what I wanted and desired, what I truly desired in life. Growing up as a woman in the family that I was in, it was all about making other people happy, doing things to make them happy. But was I doing anything at all? to make myself happy if i did i would be judged and condemned and criticized and that was the biggest thing that fear had kept me in because if i don't make my family happy they won't love me if i don't do what they want and expect of me i'm not a good enough child and i'm a failure of a child you know i failed them as parents and if there was anything one value that i had had lived by is you know like your parents love you They bring you up in this world. They give you the best that they can give to make your life better. The least you can do is try to make them happy and be, you know, be a good child, right? We grow up thinking that we owe our parents everything. And yes, we do owe them. But not our lives. But not our lives. Yes,
2: exactly. We came here to live our life. Yeah, but at that point, did your parents also come to term with you being gay or still not
0: i'd say about 50 percent, mm-hmm. because at that point i was very very single and they had found comfort in the fact that i would never find anyone okay <laughs> they were in denial
2: in denial
0: and uh <laughs> expecting that i would be single forever so it's fine <laughs> okay yeah <Good. laughs> and uh and I always told them, I'm going to be with a woman. Like, you need to accept this. They couldn't. They would just be like, it's fine. They they were happy with the fact that I wasn't dating anyone at the time. So I wasn't doing anything wrong. But I knew that that day would come and all the hell would break loose. Yeah. <laughs> which it did.
2: <laughs> I can, I, I'm still thinking about the situation because... I also, I had my fair share of burnouts. I had my fair share of having trouble getting out of bed. I'm currently also getting myself together and I'm staying with my father. And also last year when I suffered from burnout, I stayed here in Berlin with my father and he at some point got very uh, (laughs) unhappy with me (laughs) because I didn't do enough, (laughs) you know, I was working here on the the podcast and I was working for the NGO, but I did not have a job that gave me income at that point. And I was sleeping a lot because I was super tired all the time. I stayed in a lot and he was really worried about me. And his form of worrying is, Anna, you need to do something, you need to get out of bed. (laughs) So how was that for you? I mean, you were at home. You just told me that you couldn't get out of bed. And your parents were there. Like how how did this work? Or how did this this does not work?
0: (laughs) It was a catch 22. It felt very, very much a duty as parents to look after their child growing up in Islam. But they were struggling to accept and love me for who I am. So it felt unauthentic in the sense that you're loving me, but you're loving me because you have to. And you're here for me because you think you have to, and you have a duty. But I don't feel loved, and I'm going through this alone, and my whole world is crashing down. You don't even realize that I'm having my own like contemplation of, of, of life crisis right now, of why I'm even here. And on top of that, I have to worry about disappointing you, the fact that I can't look after myself right now. I can't pick myself up. I, I can't get a job because I'm so sick and I'm so miserable and my brain is is just stuck in the cycle of negativity i had enough awareness to know that i was creating my depression with consistent negative thinking but it had been going on for 15 years to change that to find the energy to control those thoughts now and brain it in and suddenly tell yourself that you're worthy and deserving when your parents don't remind you of that your parents don't necessarily believe in you they are still judging you secretly. You can see it on their faces. You get comments from family who are now disappointed because you just collapsed and you were, you know, the idle grandchild ready to take on the world. It it was awful, to be honest, because I, I just felt very, very alone. There was nowhere else for me to go. In fact, my depression had gotten so severe over the years that it had impaired... My judgment, my cognitive thinking, uh, my memory, my IQ. So my intelligence had completely deteriorated. I was struggling to remember. I was slow and delayed. I couldn't handle the pressure of anything anymore. And as a safety mechanism, my brain completely shut off, and I experienced what is called as depersonalization, derealization. So I lost touch with reality as a way to protect myself because reality. Was hurting me. Reality was the cause of of all of these negative thinking, and of course, it took me a while to realize that we create reality with our thoughts. So I had to first work on myself on the inside, and I took that time, which was three year period, where I'm now stuck in my head, still depressed, but I can think. So what am I gonna choose to think? What am I gonna choose to teach myself? I learned everything about reprogramming my subconscious. I said that if I can't do this consciously and I have no willpower, I do know that our subconscious is 95% responsible of all of our actions, behaviors, and reality. If I can find a way to hack my subconscious brain, bypass my conscious mind, and just go straight to the source and delete, 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 and recode, then I will do that. And so I did repeatedly for day in day out for three years I would tell myself I love myself I would analyze my thoughts I would go back to my past and heal my memories and heal that pain I would let it out I learned everything from emotional freedom technique to uh, other various methods of energy healing and body healing to release that pain from my from my body that was being stored to release whatever negative thoughts were repeating in my mind that brought me down, because everything is vibration. And if vibration is the key to creating your reality the way you want, and happiness, joy, and gratitude are the three highest vibrating emotions, then happiness is the key to getting the life of your dreams. And a depressed person who feels like there's no happiness whatsoever, is now aiming for happiness and joy. It was a complete 180 for me. But I was driven and I was dedicated because being depressed for 15 years of my life, I wasn't going to endure that ever again. No way would I allow myself to feel unworthy and undeserving, feel like a reject and feel like I'm unlovable. But it was extremely difficult to convince myself of that, especially when everybody around me was making me feel that as well. And I think that was a gift because I had nowhere to go but inside. And I had nothing else but the feeling of love from my soul that I knew had to be my creator. And I fostered this unique bond and relationship with my creator through the feeling of love alone to transform my mind and my body. And as the days went by, the pain lessened. As each day went by, symptoms would slightly get better. But if you're progress and there's nothing else you can do, you just keep moving forward. If you can't speed it up, you just take one step at a time. It took me three years. And the reason it took me three years was only in part realizing That I am a guy in a female body. Now I have to come to terms with being transgender. As if being gay and depressed and unemployed wasn't enough. Not enough.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It it was a slow realization, probably. It was not like you woke up one day and it was like, oh, let's see that. No, it was a slow realization. (laughs) And you were still living at home at that time.
0: I was still living at home at that time. Yes. I was unemployed. I had nowhere to go, and the more I asked the universe for answers of, "Who am I really? Why am I here? and what am I supposed to do with my life?" I had began receiving intuitive impulses. I would be drawn to certain resources and materials that kind of educated me about more things, which brought me closer to at first being a divine masculine. So I had identified with the fact that if I'm gay, and I do believe in pairing of sorts, the feminine soul and the masculine soul, and that gender is not a a body thing, but that actually your soul has no gender. But the theory of one soul in two bodies, that's A different topic, twin flames. It was something I was very passionate about at that time. Then I believed myself to be either the female feminine, divine feminine, or the divine masculine. And I had to know the which part, if my counterpart is the other half of my soul, who am I? And slowly putting the pieces together, realizing I was never attracted to men, comparing myself to men growing up, feeling like a boy growing up, realizing that my preferences in women were becoming more feminine and I was attracted to more feminine females as I began to love myself and grow closer to myself was the stepping stones of getting me to the conclusion that I was in fact the divine masculine, divine masculine soul in a female body. I remember going on a pilgrimage to Saudi Arabia, to Mecca. Wow. It was a a very, very pivotal moment for me because I had to reconcile my creator, uh, my religion, and me. I had fostered enough of a bond with my creator to know that I am loved, that I am perfect and whole as I am. That is what started, you know, for me to trust because I had no one to go to except my creator who was in my heart and my soul, you know. It's therefore anything that came to me was a result of that personal private message that only my creator could have known about. And and that's what got my trust going, because now I started to realize that in fact, my reality is responding and, and giving me feedback to what's going on inside. And I received visions when I was on pilgrimage. And I remember specifically asking God that if I'm Gay and it's wrong, then please tell me. If I'm not a guy that I think I am, then please tell me. And if I'm being bad or going on the wrong path in any way whatsoever, then help me because I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be a good person and to come here to do what I was meant to do, whatever that is, and be who I was meant to be. It wasn't the answer I was expecting because I still wanted to be who I thought I was, which was a female. I didn't like the idea of being trans. To me, I was, my ego was flaring up. I'm like, this is hell. Like, this means I'm disowned. This means society rejects me. This just, this complicates my life 10 times more, as if it wasn't hard enough. And I was in the room and and later that day, I got a vision of myself in a man's body.
2: Congratulations. <laughs> that was the first.
0: <laughs> yeah it was divine revelation it really was that's the truth you know you, you want to know who you are yeah. ask your creator you'll get the answer it's up to you to decide whether or not you trust it though and believe it but it is the truth so it took me a whole year from that point in that revelation to even begin to consider embracing that journey because now my path of coming out of depression and my life—the way I saw it—it it was complicated. Now I had to think about coming out to my parents again, and giving them worse news. <laughs> <laughs> worse
2: news, no know. Sorry that I'm laughing, yeah, but it's the way. You, you know why? It's the way you're saying giving them worse news. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Being gay wasn't enough. Are you trying to get me to
2: kill my parents?
0: I was terrified and
2: did you speak with someone about that in that year in that first year
0: I was part of a small community a very spiritual community at that time they had taught me a lot of things like self-love and that you are perfect in the eyes of God which I strongly firmly believe in and that gave me some faith and boldness to Go for it, 100%. I had the support of the community. I felt brave. I thought that this was going to just magically work out. A month after I came back from pilgrimage, I decided to go ho and tell my parents. All hell broke loose. My father kicked me out that same day of the house. I was broke, had nowhere to go, and I was still sick. (laughs) And my family just rejected me. It was a very dire time, but my friend at that time took me in. I stayed a few months with her. She was generous enough to provide shelter for me for that time being. And a few months later, it was the month of Ramadan, which is an auspicious month in Islam. And uh, my parents felt guilty and called me back home for the sake of being dutiful parents who do the right thing. But it was not easy because things were still very strange between us and they were not okay with what I told them. They still was in denial. They told me that I don't know who I am, that they know me better than I know myself, right. that it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> that it must be me confused, that I don't know what I'm talking about, that I'm just depressed and going through a very difficult time. It was very invalidating, but eye-opening because it Made me realize that I still needed more conviction in myself, more self love, ready to take this path on. Because what people don't understand is before coming out as trans, the person who realizes that they are different, they have got to go through their own mourning of who they thought they were, mourning of their life that they thought they were going to have, come to accept themselves when they have their own judgments about it and they own prejudices against themselves. No one just miraculously says, oh, I'm trans and I just love myself the way that I am. It's okay. If you don't grow up in an environment that is loving, accepting, and welcoming, you're going to condemn who you are before anybody else knows about
2: it. Yeah, and it's it's difficult, like you said. I mean, especially coming out of such a traditional family, You have been going through a whole thing already. I mean, South Africa in itself is a pretty open-minded country from what I experienced as in the cities. On the countryside, I can imagine there are other things going on. But when you experience the cities like Joburg and Cape Town, you may you meet like a diverse group of people there. But the thing you have been going through and then now you struggle with body image which is a huge part I'm I'm always talking about and I mean women in itself go go through a whole thing of body image and now you discover okay I'm actually just having a female body so what now (laughs) and just (laughs) like years
0: ago I was struggling to accept and uh, you know accept myself as a woman you know I had just begun to accept and love myself as a woman now only to realize that Okay, I actually got it wrong, but it was very important, I must say. I had to heal my feminine and, and wounds surrounding women and the ideas of women before I could truly believe and trust that I'm not being trans because I am wounded and I have issues that I have uh, unresolved. And I am I avoiding something and running away, or am I sabotaging my life by? Complicating it further, there was a lot that I had to work through to be 100% sure because this was life changing. This was, I have a harder life, whether I like it or not. It is going to be challenging. And I can either love myself like hell, a ride or die, and be there and have my own back. Or do I do what I did before my whole life, hide away and pretend to push it away? And not be who I am, and because of being kicked out, and and I was in a very uh, vulnerable situation. I went back in my closet. I retracted my statement of being transgender to my parents, and I lied—not really, but I pretended that I'm not. And I made a mistake for a whole year because I wanted it to be false. You know, I I, I wanted to not be transgender. I, I I didn't want that life. It meant Changing my identity completely, people know me as a different person. Do I want to change how I look? Do I not? Do I go through surgery? How do I afford that as well? When am I going to afford that? How are people going to treat me? It was so complex. And I didn't want any of it because I'm still trying to get and heal my depression. I'm still trying to get back on my own two feet and work. And at that time, I still had paralyzing fear. And anxiety and stress that prevented me from just opening a book and making an appointment. You know, it, it was very, very bad. So, for that year, I went on this mission, avoiding it, putting it away, going back in the closet, denying it, only to realize that I'm only delaying the inevitable. And it's time I take a leap of faith and a bold move. And when I turned 30, which was a year ago, 2020, 20, two years, I decided to cut my hair. And it would also be evidence enough for me to, to see how I how it really feels. You know, is this really me? Because if I cut my hair and I hate it, then that's telling me that, you know, something's not right with my feelings. But if I cut my hair and look a little bit like a guy, then if I like it, that's telling me something. Nobody goes around wishing that they, they had abs and, you know, a man's body or a penis. Women don't go around thinking what it would be like to be in a guy's body. That in itself is evidence telling you that something is going on because we don't think like that. A person in the right body that they identify themselves as, they have that thought maybe once if not ever and never again. But it kept coming back. It kept creeping up on me. I desired it more and more and I wondered and I was drawn to it. So I cut my hair. I completely loved it. And that's when things got a little bit tougher because now it was very, very real. I was, I was sticking out like a sore thumb to my parents and sticking out to my family. They were devastated at me cutting my hair. My grand tried calling me, crying to not cut my hair because I am such a beautiful woman why would I want to do that so still every little thing I did without even doing much was a no-no was uh, something's wrong with me and it's bad and shameful but through it all I I continued this journey of self-love and it was hard because I pulled off the gay lesbian, you know, like the hot lesbian look, you know, finally nailed it after six years, loved my body and who I am <laughs> and being a lesbian. And I, I, it was like I was loving myself now I need to realize that myself and that self-identity and self-concept has changed. Can I now love myself as transgender? Am I still sexy now as a guy? than a woman but nothing's changed but everything's changed inside of me it was hard to wrap my head around it and because of going through the depression and then realizing that I'm trans and having derealization depersonalization I had cut off everything feminine about me now I started to push away those feminine traits. Now I started to feel like that's not me. That was never me. It took me a while to integrate that back into my my mind, body and soul of that's still me and that's who I am. It's not a pretend. It's not fake. I just didn't realize that I was a guy all along. So that journey took two years of self-acceptance and in the last couple of months i would say is when i decided to tell close friends even got into a relationship the first ever relationship as a guy and that is what really helped me boost my confidence and own who i who i am own my truth and this interview in itself is a very big moment for me to publicly come out as trans something that i've been uh, scared to do because it's new it's it's different as much as i've been through what it's like coming out as gay it's not the same as coming out as transgender i have similarities but there's a lot more hate and prejudice even in the lgbtq community against transgender and it seems abnormal you know, I, I was faced with these very thoughts myself that oh, trans people are weird, there's something wrong with them, they must have issues, they're damaged. I had these thoughts about myself. That something is wrong with me, that whatever happened to me, I'm a defect. But that taught me one thing. And I, I was guided to discover my true self at the perfect time when I was learning to love myself. So that meant loving. Every single part of me knowing that I'm worthy, that I'm perfect and whole, just as my creator created me. And it's society
2: that has the problems, It's not the people. It actually is, it actually is. And you moved out at some point when was that? Yes, that was a few months ago,
0: and that was a beautiful manifestation, because at that time, I still was not employed. In fact, I'm currently not working at this moment. I'm still working on myself and getting back on my own two feet. But an opportunity came up. The universe was there for me and changing my beliefs, realizing that I'm worthy and deserving of living my own life. It just was lack, as you know, fate would call it. It was meant to be. It was something affordable, cheap at that time. And it was perfect. It came out of nowhere. It was indeed a divine you know, manifestation and a step towards me loving my life as who I really am. Being myself and having the opportunity to even get to know me as a person. Because my whole life, I was withholding that in an attempt to make other people happy around me. Because that's what they expected of me. But it's been a, a beautiful journey nonetheless
2: what are things that helped you along the journey i mean of course you studied your religion you studied the quran but what are resources that you would highly highly recommend for people who want to go inside themselves at the top of my uh, mind
0: louise hay you can heal your life it's a beautiful book it's very very spiritual and self-loving she introduces the ideas of beliefs and how our body tells us things about ourselves. The next, there were a lot of YouTubers that I followed and it was all to do with manifestation, but it's very, very closely linked to self-love. Erin Doughty, a YouTuber, as well as Master Sri Akashna, who was previously Eric Ho, known as Eric Ho at that time. These are manifest manifestors of like note. They've mastered the skill and they've devoted their life to teaching. That's more on the manifestation side. Those are the ones at the top of my mind, along with the secret.
2: Yeah. And I will also put that in the show notes so that everybody who wants to can just look it up.
0: One resource that I still want to mention is a community that I was a part of called Twin Flame Ascension School. Let me just give you some background context because this is a little bit off topic. So it might be a little bit confusing. Twin flames, if you haven't heard of it before, is rumored to be the other half of your soul. So one soul is split into two bodies and your twin flame is you in another body, which is the ultimate lover, your best
2: friend, spiritual teacher. I think Paulo Coelho also talked about this. I just remember that I heard that somewhere. It's getting
0: very popular in the spiritual community amongst people right now because it is an ascension path. Twin flame is not about love. It is about your spiritual ascension to your creator, to God. The closer that you get to loving yourself and loving God, the closer you get to your twin flame. It's about releasing all impurities and loving yourself the way God loves you, which is non-judgment and 100% acceptance. It's very closely linked to manifestation and inner child healing because everything inward is reflected in your reality. So if there's something out in your reality that is upsetting you. It is an indicator of something within that needs to be healed and loved. A lot of the time, if we judge others or receive judgment, it's because we are judging ourselves. If we learn then to take everything as an interpretation of where we can love ourselves better, whatever is on the outside, when you love to forgive yourself, you're able to forgive others. When you learn to accept yourself, you start accepting others. And it has been the, the best way for me to find true inner peace and happiness is through the exercise that they teach.
2: One question that I still have or would love to discuss with you is your body image. It's because you're still in a female body. And do you think that at some point in your life, you will go through the outer change as well or are you not there yet
0: it's not so much that I'm not there yet I'm grappling with how to deal with family and their expectations how to manage my own expectations but as I committed to loving myself as I am I am also at a crossroads where I ask myself is it more loving to change myself to fit into society's expectations of being a man am I doing it for society or am I doing it for myself? And if I'm doing it to change, does that mean I'm unhappy with the body that I'm in? Am I rejecting this body that I was born with in any way? And is that considered self-love by not loving the body that I was born with? Based on this question, it's made me put transition on hold because gender is, uh, is part of this world. But As we've seen with The Times, there are a lot of people that I'm not identifying as any gender. That we are just people. And it doesn't matter what we look like on the outside. Because we're whole and worthy and lovable just as we are. Whether we fit into society's standards and expectations or not, it doesn't matter. And based on that, it's made me move towards just loving who I am just as I am in the body that I am. And who's to say that maybe in a few years, I decide that, yes, I do want to transition, but it will be because it's more loving to give myself the body that I've always envisioned myself to be in, not to fit in to society's standards and expectations, because now I'm a man, I have to look like one. And it's challenging, And it will be challenging because I am identifying myself as a male, but I'm very much female looking, female sounding. I have a great set of B-cups as well, (laughs) you know, so it's controversial. It's confusing, but it doesn't matter, does it? Doesn't matter what we look like or sound like or, or who we really are on the inside is only what matters. And I think I want to prove that point. And I wouldn't be able to do that or stand for what I believe in by transitioning just yet. If I stand for being true to yourself, well, this is the body that I was born with. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And I do love this body. I've learned to appreciate. I've learned to appreciate what women go through physically, menstruation. I've I've been through it. I, I suffer the same pains as any other woman. But from a guy's perspective, it's, it's incredibly like mind-boggling for me. But it is who I am. And we're perfect just the way that we are. So why do I need to change? For who? I'm not in a rush. And I'm taking it one step at a time to just be true to myself and
2: learn to honor that. That is wonderful. Ah, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's oftentimes for me so mind blowing. And we met a couple of months ago and every time we spoke, it was for me like you're so much further in the acceptance of your body as so many women who actually identify as women are. It's it's a little bit, it's crazy. It's crazy because I know and I've met so many women who just hate their bodies. Not because they don't identify with their bodies, but because of the way they look. And you who is not in identification with your body, you appreciate your body so much. It really teaches a lesson to many, many women, I believe. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We,
0: we often don't realize what we have. Yeah. And what we're gifted with. Yeah. And that's why self-love is, is so, so valuable and so important. Because the moment we start appreciating how we look for what we look like, that inner beauty starts to radiate and it comes out. And if I've learned anything from being transgender, previously gay, because now I'm straight, technically (laughs) it does not make a difference what the outside looks like because you are who you are you've always been that is who you are on the inside just because something changes on the outside doesn't make you less than or unworthy it's all about
2: that inner beauty and that's what needs to shine thank you so much I just want to wrap up this wonderful conversation with two more questions. Do you have a female role model or even a trans role model? I do have a, a female role model that's related to a trans
0: role model. Not really, but in that department. Ruby Rose is someone that I admire because she's bold. You know, she is lesbian. She came out when she was 12 years old. She's in the media industry. She's very, very famous and very beautiful woman. But she is gender fluid. She says that she doesn't identify as a guy. She doesn't always feel like a girl. She's just who she is. And she's had a a campaign or music video in which she transformed from a beautiful blonde girl to a heavily tattooed man, you know, because she's looking so androgynous, which is currently something I'm being drawn to, is an androgynous look, a mix of male and female. Because the truth is, even internally, we have divine feminine traits and divine masculine traits within us. So why does the outside have to be particularly one way? And I've been pondering this myself is why am I trying to make myself either or? I can't even say that I'm 100% only a guy. It would be lying. I grew up as a woman for 28 years. There is woman in my DNA or my body, in my you know cellular memories of being female i have many female characteristics and it would be a disservice to dishonor that femininity within me even though i identify as a guy and i think that's healthy divine masculinity and divine femininity is accepting that there's both parts within you it's it's not black or white and while she is gender fluid and doesn't identify as either, and I identify as male, I very much relate to that fluidity and that mix of femininity and masculinity.
2: And why do we have to put labels to it at the end of the day? We're all unique. That's true. Wonderful. And if you could leave a message to all the women in the world, what would it be?
0: You are lovable and amazing beautiful and so valuable significant you just don't see it yet it's not that it's not there it's right there in front of your eyes you just have to open your eyes to see it but it's more than opening your eyes open your heart and allow yourself to love yourself from the inside out that is my message is to love who you are start being your own cheerleader start being your own supporter start seeing your worth every single day that is when everyone else will see it too oh,
2: wonderful thank you so much Zeth thank you so much for coming on the podcast to have your public coming out here can I can I say it like that or is that absolutely ignorant yes
0: public. <laughs> public uh, disclosure
2: public disclosure it is a public comment kind of kind of yeah
0: (laughs) well thank you for having me and giving me the platform to uh, to speak and I I hope I hope it helps and inspires someone out there
2: I think it does because as I said it's I think it's a huge part of female empowerment of feminism to accept everybody as they are and I think your story teaches a lot of women also about loving themselves i think if the story tells anything self-acceptance and self-love goes through it all it's crucial and it's what will keep you going it is what will keep you going and i'm so happy i've met you i'm so happy that you shared this with me thank you so much for having me anna it was
0: uh a pleasure to be on the show and to uh to talk openly
1: with you
2: thank you so much (laughs) bye bye Thank you so much
1: for listening to this podcast episode. We do not have recommendations how to find Zaf yet because right now he is not very present on social media. But as soon as he is back, I for sure will let you know. But make sure to follow the Heal Shine podcast on Instagram at Heal Shine for more about body positivity and eating disorders. And if you like this episode, please leave a comment and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, or just share it in your Instagram story and make sure to tag me so I can send you some love as well. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.